0: the creators who brought you RuPaul's Drag Race and Million Dollar Listing, this is World of Wonders' WOW Report, things that make us go wow.
1: Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the WOW Report. I'm Fenton Bailey, co-founder of World of Wonder, joined by my pair of wingmen, right? Uh, Tom Campbell, our chief creative officer, and James St. James, uh, editor of the WOW Report, literary sensation, and what have you. And, um... Do you want to talk about your theft, James?
2: No, I'd rather just move along. I'm I'm having a rotten day, suffice to say. And let's let's just let's just have some fun. And and
3: I don't know how to start a GoFundMe, but I will say that James St. James, uh-huh. through circumstances beyond his control, had all of his shoes stolen at once. Correct. You have a pair of flip flops. James yeah. is is eight and a half, and he likes Prada and Gucci. Is that fair to say?
2: Pada Dior Gucci, yes, uh, Armani, Dolce and
1: Gabbana. Yes. I, I will tell you. That's it. A mm-hmm. shoe drive. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. Well let while the shoes are coming in, let's start our countdown mm-hmm. of the top ten things that make us go, wow. Number ten, that means it's Tom. Number ten. You know, there's something so strange about when
3: people pass, celebrities pass, and how they're around this whole time. And the moment they go away, it's somehow they're every, they bring back memories. uh, It's somehow definitional moments in your life, even though you didn't know them. And I felt that way the moment I heard that Mac Davis.
2: Oh, oh, yeah. Passed away.
3: Now, Mac is a lot, you know, I work with young people. I say, you know who Mac Davis is? They're like, uh uh, Mac Davis. Was the so many things he was a singer, songwriter, superstar of the late 60s and the 70s, and one of the sexiest men alive before people named men the sexiest men alive. Do you agree with me, uh, uh James?
2: I do. I, you know, I'm struggling right now to think of what his big hit was.
3: I'm here for all that now. Fenton, are you
1: familiar with the Mac Davis? It's i I'm having a complete learning experience, okay. never heard of him before in my life. <laughs> he was he it's interesting he was
3: considered sort of a country artist but his songs were pop he first he was born in Lubbock Texas he's he's constantly and willingly shirtless he's he got hair he's the perfect 70s he was the non-mustachioed Sort of like, it wasn't even a perm, it was just curly hair. He had these sad eyes and this beautiful smile and tight jeans. And he wrote for Elvis. His first success was as a songwriter. And he wrote In the Ghetto for Elvis, which was a huge hit in late 69, 70, plus Memories. And uh, some of this I know from experience, and some of this was reinforced by some stuff I read. But in the early 70s, he had moved from Lubbock, Texas, to L.A., living in an apartment building, just trying to make it like the rest of us. And he was at a pool party. Think of Mac Davis with the shirt off, probably a Speedo. And Sandy Gallen, the esteemed famous manager, you know, and of a former boss. And one of my first jobs was at Sandy Gallen's office. He heard Mac singing at a pool party and said, I can make you a star. And he got uh, Clive Davis to sign him. And his big, big first hit as an artist was uh, Baby Don't Get Hooked On Me.
2: Oh, baby, babe, don't get hooked on me. Baby. Yeah, uh huh.
3: And he also had, uh, uh, I Believe in Music. He had a whole bunch of hits, but he was that perfect 70s celebrity. He was talented. He was sincere. He was friendly. Um, he uh, also had a breakout role. And, and if you this will get Fenton involved. Um, you, if you Google Matt Davis, buttocks. You'll get, you'll see a lot of it because he was in a big movie that was a huge success called North Dallas 40. Oh with yeah. And it was a football movie. And he kind of played Don Meredith, the fictional Don Meredith, who was a good old boy football player. And there are so many shots in the locker room and they were so generous showing their butts and wearing bikini underwear and everything this boy needed. And it was like on HBO, every other movie in 1980, Just every
1: other movie was North Dallas 40. Can I ask two questions? Yes. One, was he gay? And two, how does he relate to Burt Reynolds? Like, what is he a comparison point? Well, he again, Burt Reynolds had the mustache. He didn't. And, and Mac was more
3: of a singer songwriter than he was an actor, but he did parlay that. And then he had a couple unsuccessful movies. Um, here's, I think, one of the most. Im- this is my inside scoop, which is Mac Davis was signed by um, Gall- Sandy Gallon and Gallon Mori, which is the name of the of the production uh, management company. I worked there was Jim Moore and Jim Moore is still was with Mac his whole career. Sandy has passed on. And Jim is the one who like did the release and had the quotes in the obituary. And I know from I, it, it's fact because I've heard it, which is that Mac Davis, who was 1970 signed by Sandy gallon, his biggest client making buttloads of money in Vegas said to Sandy, there's this girl singer in Nashville that you should check out. She has something special to offer. And that girl singer is Dolly Parton.
2: Oh!
3: And Dolly and Sandy were partners to the very, very end until Sandy passed away a couple years ago. And again, Dolly deserves her own success. Don't get me wrong. She is the talent. But the the symbiotic relationship between Sandy and Dolly, you know, they shared an apartment in New York. They were soulmates. And I really do think that, uh, you know, I, I always had the feeling that there was a little bit of, there was a moment where, dolly eclipsed mac sort of like mac's career was going down dolly did nine to five so there's this weird thing not that mac wasn't uh relevant uh till the very end and just for his elvis stuff alone so so many things and i'll end with this that he wrote a song first he had another song you'll remember james called um uh, uh oh lord it's hard to be humble
0: oh, yeah. Perfect yeah. in
3: every way the best song to sing we were a little buzzed on beer and second he wrote a song one of his last hits was called um uh, Texas in My Rearview Mirror. And it was just one of those great songs about coming from Lubbock, Texas, and he couldn't wait to break free. He was like, you know, James Dean fan. And all he thought when he was young was getting to LA and about Lubbock, Texas, like like happiness with Lubbock, Texas in My Rearview Mirror. And then he goes to LA and he gets you know pushed around and spit out and he decides that the real truth and the real love's in Lubbock, Texas, where he's from. And the last verse is like, And I used to think that Lubbock was, you know, happiness was Lubbock, Texas in my rearview mirror. But now happiness is Lubbock, Texas getting nearer and nearer. And one day I'll reach my dreams, which is, and I'll be buried in Lubbock, in my jeans. And in his obituary, they said that he will be buried in his hometown of Lubbock, Texas, and he will be wearing his jeans. Mac Davis, rest in perfection.
1: perfect, marvelous. Number nine, James. Number nine. Um,
2: I watched on Netflix, surprise, surprise, surprise. I watched Enola Holmes, Sherlock Holmes's little sister, starring Millie Bobby Brown from Stranger Things. And um, it also stars Henry Cavill as Sherlock Holmes, very dapper in his Victorian garb. Um, Her other brother is the evil Mycroft Holmes, played by Sam Clayfin, who has made quite a career out of playing despicable characters. Um, and the mother is is helena bonham carter and helena bonham carter has been raising enola holmes as a this is 1894 but she's raising her as like a 21st century woke kind of girl and she's you know um it's a very unconventional childhood and she's teaching her to box and to think critically and to solve mysteries and one day Helena Bonham Carter disappears in the middle of the night and it's up to Enola to discover what happened to her mother and solve the mystery and to that end she dresses up as a boy and runs away to London where she crosses paths with another boy who's run away and that's Louis Partridge who is um, going to be the biggest teen heartthrob I think the world has ever seen He's, um, he's absolutely perfectly suited for the role he plays the Marquess of Tuxbury who someone is trying to kill him and so he's on the run and the two of them are on the run together to solve both of the mysteries and of course they do it and Sherlock Holmes pops in every once in a while Henry Cavill doesn't have a very big part but um he's there to sort of teach her how to think critically and to solve mysteries and it's fun and you sort of want it to become a series and it's perfect for 14 year old girls and as I'm a 14 year old girl myself I was able to to enjoy it a lot um so, yes, I, I I had it. I sort of uh, recommend it to family viewing everywhere.
1: We watched it. We watched it with Nolan. We loved it. We thought it was very snappily paced, like yeah. the way she talked to the camera. She's brilliant. I didn't really feel English. I mean, right? She's but-
2: actually, she's um, produced it. And you love the fact that a 14-year-old girl is taking control of her Hollywood career and producing her own movies and finding her own things. She so, produced the movie? Yes, yes. Get so, Bobby Brown for that.
1: Yeah, I thought it was really good. And and Enola is an anagram of... Alone,
2: but the only... I'm going to put out um, a trivia question right now. What is the other famous Enola?
1: Enola Gay!
2: Yes, the name of the uh, atom bomb that was dropped on Hiroshima. Yes. right. I think there was Enola on Another World or As the World Turns or something in the (laughs)
1: 70s.
2: (laughs) She was the villainess on one of the big soap operas. Henry Cavill was, uh, he's just, I I could just watch him all day. I love him so much.
1: I don't know if we want to get into this, (laughs) but I, the one problem I had with it is the way that I think we try to make retro obnoxious ideas seem okay is by giving them a modern spin. So, 19th century Sherlock Holmes and was very diverse. It was all about female empowerment. Yes. But a lot of the caste class stratification on which the sort of appeal of the film is also built, you know, that Downton Abbey kind of nostalgia. Yeah. That is inalienably rooted in awful ideas. Right. You can't just sort of wash it clean by just, oh, we'll be all, we'll be all diverse and we'll talk the talk and we'll... Well, you know, there,
2: there were a lot of anachronisms there where you had a black woman secretly teaching jujitsu to other women. And you think that that probably wasn't happening in 1884. There was the other character who was dri- a woman who was just driving an automobile around by herself in 1884, which is probably not accurate either. Um, so there were things. And then they tried to give Millie Bobby Brown, you know, that sort of 21st century wokeness that probably young girls at the time did not have. So there were a lot of, I mean, there were some problematic things about it, but it's it's fantasy, so.
1: It's just me being mean-spirited. Okay, Enola Holmes on Netflix, also on Netflix, because this is basically the Netflix show. <laughs> um, number eight. Number eight. Challenger, the final flight uh, docuseries. It's four, one hours about the Challenger, the space shuttle that launched, was 86. I remember watching, yeah. did you guys watch it? I That's watched it, yeah. An ordinary extraordinary 73 seconds. It, it takes off. It, it launches. And then, oh, it, it's interesting. I was reading a review saying, well, at least they had the taste not to show the crash. But I remember very I early, it. Everybody saw, it, everybody, saw it, everybody saw it, we didn't know it had crashed. It was like, what happened? because cool,
2: you before? remember, every. it was when Sally Ride was in it. And every single school in America yeah. had it on live feed and watched it at the same time. All yeah. across the country, everybody was, it was watching.
3: Devastating. It was a devastating day and week. It was a week of mourning after
2: that.
1: Yeah, The teacher was called Krista McAuliffe, James. Oh, Krista McAuliffe, right. right. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah.
2: I remember um, Reagan, that was uh, slip the surly bonds of of what what was his famous speech that he said?
3: I can't remember, but he was... He, he, he was a
2: good
1: speech. We know that, right? Yeah, it's,
2: I mean, it's ready to slip the surly bonds of Earth or something like that. I can't remember.
1: Back in the days when president could make inspiring speeches right. that made me feel nice String three um, words together i mean right i'm really getting into it i'm only in the, the first episode and it's so netflixian in the way that the, 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 you're watching the first episode and it's about this and it's about that and then you have someone say well one thing you knew the space shuttle was always going to blow up and then it's like next episode in 10 seconds you know they cliffhang they cliffhang Dang. it but it, do you think you will watch it?
2: I don't know. I mean, I I feel like I experienced it once. I don't know that I can. I need to do it again. You know. I mean, it was it was traumatic.
1: Yes. But do you feel that we have a really? You know, we knew it was the O-ring seals, but it was a long time before the little the washers, which I think are like a basic, basically a rubber washer, was a long time before that came out. And I I think what's driving the four hours is this idea that it was a there was a NASA cover up and that they wouldn't really admit to. Um, what was going on. I thought what was interesting is also the idea that this idea of uh, institutional failure because the shuttle did come back. Um, I think it was gone for a couple of years. It came back and then went on and I think ran 86 more missions. In fact, it ran 87 missions in total. And that 87th one, which was the last one, same thing happened again, different, different tragedy, but the shuttle broke up uh, on re-entry and that was because a piece of insulating foam broke off on takeoff and damaged the heat shield tiles. But again, it was a case of something that they knew was a problem, but they just hadn't fixed.
2: Well, it's, it also makes you think that maybe space shuttles shouldn't be used 87 times. Maybe maybe you, you don't do that. I don't know. Um, I, we just got a message from Blake saying that it was called the pilot's. What is it? Hold on. Let me see.
3: Reagan's speech at the time of the... of the.
2: Yeah, President oh. Reagan recited the poem known as The Pilot's Creed, and he says, I've slipped the surly bonds of Earth and danced the skies on laughter-silvered wings. Sunward I've climbed and joined the tumbling north. Suns split clouds and done a hundred things you've not dreamed of, which is
1: just gorgeous. Beautiful. It's rather good, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, that's the uh, challenge of the final flight on Netflix. Can
3: I just say one thing back to my number 10? I'm sorry that Dolly Parton left a lovely tribute to Mac Davis and said they were best friends, and they many years later he wrote music for her white limousine you know, so I, I made it sound like they had some competitiveness and I, I feel bad for saying that because I think they were in beautiful harmony in, in the in their life. So I well,
2: say, let me yeah. just go back and say about Enola Gay. No, I'm kidding. I, mean, I thought we were all revisiting our, our posts. All right, all
1: right well, let's, let's take a break before we get overheated.
0: It is hot, isn't it?
3: It's a hot one, people.
2: Hey, look! Is wearing a Dolly Parton
0: t-shirt. Go I'm wearing ahead. my Dolly Parton t-shirt, and I've got a question for you guys. You can thank me. was it a coincidence that you're wearing Dolly Parton? Yeah, I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> um. So October and what other month? Always end on the same day of the week every year. What Ooh. October and what other month? Always it's not something that happens. It is. It is.
1: Huh. You're listening to the Wow Report on Radio Andy, and we'll have the answer for you right after the break. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report: Things
0: That Make Us Go Wow.
1: And welcome back to the Wow Report. I'm Fenton Bailey here with Tom Campbell, James St. James. And Blake Jacobs, who has the most intriguing question I think we've had in some time.
0: Uh, We just entered October, the 10th month of the year. And October and this other month always end on the same day of the week, every year. But how
2: do you do that? You would have to start on the same day every year at the same time. In order to, for it to work out, you have to have the same amount of days in every month, but you have to
0: sort of start on the same day to end on the same, don't you? Now, James, listen, I don't claim to be a scientist. I just go on the internet.
1: <laughs> and what about, what about
3: leap years? Because that, that and the yeah. another element. I'm going to say month. that the answer is April.
2: I'll say June, but this, I don't even believe any of this. I'm
1: going to go with March because, Zoom, why not? It's February. <laughs> oh, so close.
2: Why? How does February, even with leap year, that would be four extra days? You can't
0: have the same amount of. Is there an explanation, Blake? <laughs> I don't have an explanation, but let me
3: okay. next okay. week. Let's take a look. Let's take it next week. Well, it'll be all about this next week in the world. I am
1: a Calendar, everything you wanted to know: <laughs> days of the week, months of the year, solar cycles, blah blah blah. I guess if you're an astronaut, that's something you have to learn, right? Yeah. All right. Let's go on number seven.
3: Number seven. It's another rest in peace moment for me, and James seems to be more invested in this one.
2: This one, this is this really. It was the same day, and this one, this one had me in tears. Same
3: day as Mac Davis. They're both seventy-eight year olds. Helen Reddy went to heaven. Tell me, Fenton Bailey, that you know who Helen Reddy is.
2: I sort of do. She was a singer,
3: right? She was Helen. Had um, was again was an amazing. Force uh, of uh, in the '70s, same as as Mac Davis. Like they they sort of helped define like this sort of the the pop singing, easy listening '70s. Her, you know, she had her first single was uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber's "I Don't Know How to Love Him," which did.
2: I don't know how to oh. love. Oh, yeah,
3: yes, I know. That. And so yeah. Capitol Records signed her, and she had to come up and, and and this is 1972, 1973, and Women's Lib was just happening, and Ms. Magazine was just opening, and 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 world versus his way just passed, and she wanted a song that she said she had to write because she couldn't find it. And she and a pal wrote, I am woman. I, I am, am woman,
2: woman. woman, hear
3: me roar In numbers Number to be be ignore. ignore. And that was a smash hit and an anthem for a generation. Uh literally that-
2: she went down and she's in history. She she actually said when she stopped singing for a while, she said, I I'm, I'm in the history books. I can't top myself.
3: Yeah. She um there is a biopic of her that came out that's Australian that I haven't seen yet, but came out while she was still alive this year, which we can all watch and get the details. But what I remember as a child, and I was ten years old at the Grammy Awards that year, she won for best pop female vocalist. And she got up there and she was very charming with her. She's very beautiful and charming with her Australian accent. She goes, I want to thank everyone at Capitol Records. I want to thank Jeff Wald, her husband, the manager, who makes my career possible. And I want to thank God, because she makes all things possible. And that
2: <laughs> Blew my mind. I, I talk about. I think people gender, were throwing things at the TV all around the country. And I was enlightened, like,
3: oh my God, God could be a woman. And it, it got picked up by all the news channels. And again, from such a. And, and she would go on to be considered such a white. Crim, you know, re- 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 compared to rock stars and soul stars, she was a very clean cut gal. But well, she was,
2: you know, we, we, um, she. I one time drove cross country from New York to L. A. with nothing but a Carpenters and a Helen Ready Best of Helen Reddy CD, and it. I will will can sing every song on the. Let's just go through them very quick because she was sort of in that same Carpenters class. And I
3: will say that Helen Reddy's Greatest Hits was my first album oh, so ever. So good,
2: so amazing. Angie Baby, one of the scariest songs of all time. If you listen to the words of Angie Baby. She covered it, had a
3: huge hit with Tanny Tucker's Delta Dawn.
2: Delta Dawn, what's that
3: flower you have on? Old Red dress. Oh,
2: yeah. That ain't no way to treat a lady, no way to treat your baby.
3: And, you know, I mentioned how Mac Davis had those prophetic lyrics. She had a song that I think Paul Williams wrote called You and Me Against the World. You and the and last me part
2: against is, the World,"
3: a song for her daughter and it's so sappy, but so meaningful. And she goes, and when one of us is gone and one of us is left to carry on, then remembering we'll have to do. Our memories alone will get us through. Think of all the days of me and you and you and me against the world.
2: But then, of course, she also had Pete's Dragon. She starred in Disney's Pete's Dragon, and she yes. had a great song from Pete's Dragon.
3: I'll be your candle on the water. Yes.
2: yes. Until it passes, also- Fenton,
3: you don't realize how, what a deep part of your brain they occupy. And then I was flipping around the one last thing. She also played the nun. In Airport Seventy Five, that sings to the well, dying. Linda. Why
1: didn't you stop
3: talking
2: about being the lead?
1: I, now I know who you mean. Yes.
2: she. Uh, you know, my mother and her had the same haircut. She had that sort of Mrs. Mrs. Brady haircut, yeah, the so little shag. Yes, and she was very famous for that. And,
3: RuPaul told me that that uh, Greatest Hits cover with that picture with the shag, that yeah. beautiful picture, was
1: a Scavullo photograph. Oh. <laughs> Does that make sense?
3: Yeah.
1: Anyway. And I was on the same day as Mac Davis and was the same age as Mac Davis. Isn't
3: yeah. that crazy? Yes. And there's a picture of them because I think Mac Davis had his own variety show for a while. They both did. And there's a great picture going around the internet of them just in all of their glory. And I captured it sunrise, sunset, because they were the perfect specimens of 70s beauty
1: and style. Rest in power, Helen Reddy. You know, this show is becoming a bit of an obituary show. Like, it seems that every every week more people have died.
3: True. I, I'm just the wrong age, I guess. And I don't be like, oh, 2020s you know... It's just people pass. So there's so many famous people that we've had the pleasure of enjoying their beautiful talent. So I, know-
2: I think we've said this on the show before that it, 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 it's been said that it's not until you're 45 years old that you start to read the obituaries because that's when you start. The people from your childhood are starting to pass away.
1: Right. Well, let's hope the next people are alive. Number six, James. Number six.
2: Oh, my God. I started watching Pen15 on Hulu. Do you guys know Pen Fifteen?
3: Which it's it spells out to look like penis, right? It P- looks like N- penis.
2: Yes, P E N one five, and it's I've like, heard a few things about it, but I have not watched it,
3: so filming in. Well,
2: we talked about it on this show when Edward was filling in for Tom one time, and Edward is a huge fan of the show and was trying to get us to watch it, and I finally broke down and watched it, and it's what's known as a cringe comedy, and it's a cringe comedy because it you are so uncomfortable in every moment it is so upsetting and disturbing it's this um two girls two uh what something year old women are playing seventh graders with a cast of actual twelve-year-olds, so there is like these these old women—not old, but you know, I mean, older women—and they're they're pretending, you know, with the braces and the pigtails and the greasy hair and the zits—and they're they're pretending to be, you know, seventh graders. And their names are Maya Erskine and Anna Conkle, who are the writers of the show as well. And it's hysterical but it's so disturbing and you you realize that you never want to go back to seventh grade because the kids are just nasty 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 ultimately like like horrifically devil children and dorks like 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 you go back
0: and forth so quickly between the two and the whole premise of the show do you watch it blake i do watch it i had to break in the one episode that i sat and watched the whole thing actually i haven't watched a lot of them i've watched a couple of episodes but laura keitlinger happened to be on the episode that i watched they go to an old people's home and they're doing a fashion show for the old people laura keitlinger is like the mom who is in control of the show and directing it well where the girls decide they're going to go visit one of the girls grandmothers in her room but there's not enough room for all of us. So Maya and Anna, you have to stay back, you know, because they're just being bitches. Well, Maya and Anna go through the girl, the main girl's bag and find her pink thong. And they end up swapping the pink thong back and forth for days because they feel so sexy in it. And they put it in. They put it on and grind in the mirror. And oh so it- funny. So
2: many, like there's a there's an episode where one of them discovers masturbation, and there's one where they smoke a cigarette for the first time, and there's one where like they they're like go, going after these boys, and the boys are like actual twelve year olds, and it's so cringy and upsetting, and I can't watch it anymore. I did like four episodes, and like I literally I was screaming the entire time, so I've given it up. It's two the second season just dropped, and people are going bananas for it, but unless you have a high tolerance for this type of thing
3: yeah question two things it's a cringe comedy is what you called it yeah that's 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 what they call it yeah that is what i can now call my life i'm looking (laughs)
2: forward
3: to that on my tombstone Uh my life is a cringe comedy i'm having fun this is cringeworthy and second this maybe this popped to my mind and it's totally inappropriate to talk about but did you ever find yourself getting spontaneous boners in junior high oh yeah you have to cover your crotch with your books as you walk down the hall
2: Yes. Well, the it, the worst would happen when, and they'd say, "Now get up to the blackboard and do something," you know, and and you'd be like, "No, no, I don't." <laughs> well, it
3: wasn't it, even body was just like hormones.
2: But anyway, so pen fifteen, okay. uh, season two. I I I I I, I wish oh, someone else would watch pass. it and tell me. Pass. Yes. But, right. Let me.
1: And number five.
2: Oh.
3: Oh my gosh, everything's gone upside down. Topsy turkey. But seeing a different view
1: of James's apartment. I know. <laughs>
2: wait, wait,
3: wait, wait. I Ooh. thought it was just an alley and he had like that backdrop. I'm glad to see actually it's inside. Hand
1: away from the, the book wallpaper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Number five. Number five. How to be yourself from Simon Dunan, wow Liberty. very famous as the creative director of Barney's for many a decade. And a, a best-selling author. He's written a book about drag. I think, oh, gosh, what was the name of his first book? <clears throat> um,
2: he did the, the, the Window Dresser, Confessions of the Window, the window dresser. dresser. He also did um, Eccentric Women, in which he profiled, like, Diane Brill and Suzanne Barsh yeah. and people um, like that. Yes.
1: Brilliant, brilliant, incredibly Very funny writer. Uh, grew up in Reading, England, not, from, not far from where I went to school, though we never knew each other. Our paths never crossed. He was very trendy, very groovy, and is partnered with, of course, Jonathan Adler, the ceramicist and interior designer whose style j'adore, because they... Have you have, have
2: you seen the, the the images of their apartment in New York?
1: Oh, my God. They're, I've been in their apartment in New York, which <laughs> is unbelievable. But then, if you really want to get your knickers in twist, look at their place on Shelter Island. It is uh, is it's sickening, it's disgusting. <laughs> um but um this book is really good. His whole he's written he wrote it's a self-help book and he wrote it because he feels that social media is giving people terrible advice. You know he says everywhere you turn is life affirming quotes and what have you and he says it's a fatal mistake to <laughs> follow your dreams. It's like that is ridiculous. He says dreams are like real life but with better furniture. Or, you know, dream. Why do you want to follow your dreams? Why do you want your dreams to come true? He says, focus on yourself in the now. You know, life is not a dress rehearsal for Instagram moments yet to come. So he's kind of, and it's it's life-changing advice from um, a reckless contrarian. And he talks about style, you know, for example, Tom Wolfe in the white suit. I didn't know this, but Tom Wolfe wore a white suit and he wore it after September because the suit, the white suit that he ordered, I guess, was too hot to wear in the summer, so he wore it in the winter. And he found that that really annoyed people. And ah. he like, found my look is <laughs> an acceptable act of aggression, he says. Oh,
2: that's funny. I never knew that.
1: And Elsie DeWolf, the woman who is, DeWolf. she's famous for beige. Yeah. Uh, and she basically invented interior design, right, as a profession. She she apparently saw the Parthenon, and, and said, it's just my color. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's full of lots of little things like that. He says, he's got a whole chapter on people, uh, which begins social anxiety is the new athlete's foot, which is kind of good because social media, he's thinking is making everybody very anxious and incapable of, uh, interacting with each other. James, do you know what he's also got, you know, what's so great about Simon is that everything he writes is kind of like in another language. He just, he's like a drag queen of words, right? He kind of dresses them up and... uh, he talks about um, his. I think he's famous, most famous for shush, S Z H O O S H, zh, zhush, zhush something up. That's oh, his. which
2: is what Carson Cresley made famous later, yes.
1: Okay. And then I also learned, because there's a, uh, a glossary which you do sometimes need to refer to to understand what <laughs> on earth he's saying. Uh, do you know what an Irish exit is, James? Um, when you're drunk and you pass out. <laughs> it's like, no. That it's when you leave a party without telly- telling anyone that you're going.
2: Oh, I do that all the time.
1: I do that all the time, too. Yes. Yeah,
2: which also taught me to do that. You make a big fuss when you walk in, and then you creep out.
1: <laughs> right, you just disappear. Um, anyway, it's really good. It's only 145 pages long, and it's like a sort of postcard size book. So that is uh, How to Be Yourself. The thing I love about it also, perhaps the most, is The Stripes. Yeah, I've got my look. Because he's very good kidding? Aren't you? Yeah, he's like, get your look and stick with it, you know? So, like Edith Head, right? It's all stripy. You can get that on Amazon. Blake, you got a question?
0: I do. Today is this arresting singer's 69th birthday. Perhaps he'll celebrate all night with his actress slash film producer wife. Who is he? 69. Okay,
1: okay. We'll be right back after the break. You're listening to The Wire Report on Radio Andy. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report.
3: Things that make us
1: go wow. Hey, welcome back to the Wow Report. I'm Fenton here with Tom and James and Blake. And uh, what was the question, Blake? It's today
0: is this arresting singer's 69th birthday. Perhaps he'll be celebrating all night with his actress slash film producer slash director wife. Who is he?
2: Well, okay, the, the 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 clues there are arresting all night and uh wife. So I'm I the only thing I can think of is all night long, Lionel Richie, but that doesn't seem right. No. So Tom. Um,
1: Roxanne!
2: You oh, of my, my great thing. Yeah. Um, Sing. Sing.
1: yeah. Sing is 69?
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: And he looks good. He does the, the tantric sex he has with Trudy Styler, his wife, right? Yes, Trudy, that my love, love,
0: my great that my was, mentor. That was the all-night clue.
1: Yeah, oh, okay. Counting down the top 10 things that made us go, wow, we've reached number
0: four. Number four.
1: I uh,
3: uh, have been watching, if it's not Netflix, it's Turner Classic Movies for me, and they've had concert films on all September, so I'm a little late on this. But uh, and, and there was uh, one that stood out to me that I finally watched, and it's called Elvis, That's the Way It Is. And it was a 1970 documentary. He had just stopped making films. He made something like 64 films from 1957 to 1969. Each film made money, and they cost about a million and a half to make, and they, came, they, they, they grossed billions of dollars in the 60s. So that's just a mind-blowing fact. And so in 68, he had that big comeback concert where you see him in the black leather. It was on NBC. And this was sort of the next um, media thing about him singing. And it's, it starts off with sort of rehearsals um, behind the scenes on the MGM lot where he was the huge star and made billions of dollars. And his El Dorado, his tight, you know, it's, it's, it's the beginning of the jumpsuit and he's still thin and lithe. He's got lamb chops that look like lamb chops, big untethered, you know, sideburns. And his hair dyed black. And it's moppy. It's not, you know, it's just there was a different, there wasn't the hyper, uh, Hyper gloss to celebrities yet. I mean, he was he was as beautiful as they
2: come, but like he, he was, was a sweaty pig sometimes. When he, by the end of every show, yeah,
3: yeah but, but and also his show, which they eventually get to the International Hotel in Vegas, which no longer exists, just is fabulous. Because I,
2: I, I, I've seen this and I, I know the, the yeah. and when you see the audience and the stars that are in the audience, and you just gasp at this like gathering of like Marlena Dietrich and and like like just. Star.
3: Yes, and uh, Grant and Sammy Davis Jr. Yes, Grant. And, and
2: Juliet, Juliet, Prowse,
3: Juliet Prowse dropped by. Uh, yes. Xavier Cougat and Mrs. Xavier Cougat, who it was Charo. Charo, yeah,
2: young, very young Charo. Yeah. And they all, the, the camera just goes to them and they're just sitting there smoking and drinking yeah. and eating a meatloaf.
3: In <laughs> in, in uh, a Red Booth, uh, you know, a theater of uh, effect, and it looks just like RuPaul's Drag Race Live with the Flamingo. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, they may have just moved the theater to the Flamingo. But Elvis Wait a minute, and I just
2: I just want to say yeah. that the, the one thing my big takeaway from it was how charming and funny he is with his friends and backstage and you think Elvis and you hear the horror stories and you hear that you know all yeah. that he was just a good old boy who was just having fun and no matter he just he's so the charm and the charisma there exactly. it it just bowls you over And there's
3: no pyrotechnics during his performance. There's no, you know, but it's pure showmanship and pure charisma and pure personality. And it's funny because as handsome as Elvis is, and he's probably one of the most handsome men that's ever walked the face of the earth. He doesn't make me tingle down there, in between me down there. But... He is still just so, and he sings his own songs and medley of his hits, which at that point were 10, 15 years old, you know, Hound Dog, which are amazing, but it's also, he sang and coincidence or not, In the Ghetto, which is the song that Mac Davis wrote for him, which i had listened to a few nights before he passed away. And he also did covers of You Don't Have to Say Love Me, Just Stay Close at Hand. And um, he does Bridge Over Troubled Water. And it's just like, but again, there was kind of bloaty Elvis by seven, like 76, 77. This is perfect Elvis. Just the consummate interpreter of the American song. He barely sings, um, um, uh, boy, say. like he like if also some of the songs he's a little sick of singing, oh, uh, that song, he chooses to kiss all the women, yeah. And, yes. you know, like, the and you think in COVID, this era of COVID, you're yes, just like, be yeah, yeah. yeah. high, yes. It's first of all, this to see an audience makes you guilty, you know, and now, but he kisses them on the mouth, he is like, oh, my, 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 my. so uh-huh. what a time. O to be Elvis um and, and and again i i not that i've underestimated him but he is he's he's a powerhouse to see in his prime and even in his late prime and the other thing i i will just say to go on youtube if you're not going to you can, you can watch this thing on youtube but another song that mac davis wrote for Elvis was called a little less conversation which
2: became a a little more action
3: but there, one of his last movies called, like, Love a Little, Live a Little, very heavy movie, is just a music video, the scene from the movie, of Elvis picking up a girl, putting a fur coat over her long hair, and getting her out of there and bring her back to his house. A little less conversation, a little more action. So, give yourself a three-minute favor and watch that video on YouTube. Thank you. Sorry.
1: I will. That's amazing. Thank you. Number three.
2: Number three, call me Ishmael. I am reading Moby Dick, uh, Herman Melville's 1851 novel. I have decided that I am in lockdown. It's time to start tackling bucket list items You know, I had decided when we first started in March that I was going to get a body. I was going to work out every day. I was going to write three books. I was going to do this. I was going to do that. And I haven't done any of them. And so this week I said, by God, the least I can do is tackle some of those big books that you're supposed to read before you die.
3: So you're actually going to read your 10th grade reading list for real. Got it.
2: And you know, when I was twenty-five, I had a job, I think I've told you, where I worked in a shoe store, a high-end shoe store where nobody ever went into and days would pass. And I would just sit there on the couch and I was able to read Dostoevsky, Tolstoy, Chekhov, all of Lord of the Rings, all of Sherlock Holmes. I managed to do and I was so and I did um sound in the fury i did a bunch of faulkner which is very hard to get through at 25 and so i've decided now i'm 54 i'm going to do moby dick which is a hundred thousand pages if it's a page and um but the thing about it is is once you get into the cadence and the rhythm of 18th century seafaring jargon
3: sure easy once, for you. Once you
2: you master would- that it's it goes very fast is there the chapters are sometimes one or two pages long and it actually sounds very contemporary to your ear it's um it can be very funny at times there's some homoerotic moments with with the sailors on the and on the the whaler it you know it's the story of ishmael and he's talking about how um he got he's on a whaling boat with captain the crazy captain ahab who is trying? Is obsessed with catching this white whale, Moby Dick. And yes, there are fifty-page long diatribes about uh, the smell of whale blubber as it's being, you know, uh, made into tallow. And you have a hundred pages about different fishing lures, and it does go on and on a bit. <laughs> but I'm happy to say that it's not as hard as you think it is. And I sort of suggest everybody to do a book club with me and read M- Moby Dick.
1: Are you actually reading the text, text, or is it a book on tape?
2: No, no, I have it on my Kindle. So, and that's and that's a good thing because Kindle doesn't have the page numbers. And I think if I had the page numbers, I would start to get depressed after only being, you know, one one hundredth of the way
1: through. What but, page number are you on? That's my well, tip.
2: I'm on the tenth chapter. I started this. I started yesterday. And so I um, and like I said, the chapters are very short, so you can do like a chapter before bed every night for the rest of your life. <laughs>
1: Maybe a weekly installment every week, a little, a little a little update. When I was a kid, I decided I was going to read the Bible and I, yeah. um, I got first past the first few chapters of Genesis. You know. I
2: actually read the Bible when I was 25 too. I spent um, three months starting with from Genesis to Revelation And there are, I'm glad I did it because I have a basis when people start talking about, you know, I I can argue Bible lore.
3: In other words, you know an abomination when you see an abomination. (laughs) Yes.
2: And there, I mean, we can do a whole thing in the Bible because there are some stories in there that are just so batshit that I just. Let's, I do Bible,
3: let's do a Bible episode
2: sometime. I love that.
1: that. <laughs> Top 10 things that make us go, holy moly from the Bible. I love that. We'll do that. We'll be, epic- <laughs> be our last show ever. All right. Number two. Number two. Moving on. Number two. Number two. The real story of Paris Hilton. Documentary on YouTube. Uh, it's called This is Paris, the official documentary. It's directed by Alexandra Dean, who directed the Hedy Lamarr documentary, Bombshell, which I think, James, you talked about. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah but Paris is a bit of an enigma. Or, you know, uh, what, did, what did Truman Capote say about Warhol? Uh, uh, a sphinx without a secret. <laughs> she's obviously a legendary figure. She's still extraordinarily beautiful. She's got that gorgeous voice. And there's something... Sort of unknowable about her. Now, I have to admit, full disclosure, I was watching the documentary and I just got fed up with it. And about an hour in, I turned it off. Apparently, I turned it off before all the good stuff, because I think the whole point of the documentary is that she was abused. And that's I haven't got it's, to. That yeah, yeah. Yet. Oh, yeah. Provo. Yeah. So I, 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 we I don't start know. to explain
3: things a little bit that she shut down. Perhaps not to be, not that I know what I'm talking about. But. By the
2: same token, with Paris, you, she will give you something every time you start. Every time the world starts to turn its attention away, all of a sudden she has a new revelation to reel you back in, and you begin to wonder how much of it is calculated to how much of the you know the revelations like why didn't she tell us these things 20 years ago when you know i mean like i don't know sometimes i i, I don't know to do with her but oprah used to do the same thing i, I think guess it, we all do too i mean take to a, I
1: think it's a long time i think there's been a whole culture of recognizing abuse and owning abuse and i think a few courageous souls have come forward and many courageous people have then been, been able to find the strength to come out with their stories and i i I, I do think it takes many years for people sometimes to to come through about it. Even so, even though I got fit up and turned it off halfway through, and I am going to watch the rest of it, there is something extraordinarily watchable about her and compelling about her. It's like, in a way, to me, she's like liquid Valium. I have no idea what Valium's like. I've never had it. But uh, just imagine liquid Valium is just very, like, drinking anesthetic or or what is that? A May propofol or something. Something... She's like a drink. Excuse me, Fenton. Um, James, what's liquid uh, volume like?
2: (laughs) Well, I mean... it's. I'm sorry,
3: sorry, Fenton. Continue.
2: But wait, I do want to say, though, that with Paris, the, the thing about her is, is she is genuinely wonderful to her fans and genuinely a nice person and every time i've ever met her i don't know how many times you have she remembers your name she comes in for the hug she gives she whispers in your ear and gives you her full attention and i think everybody who meets her walks away saying the same thing that she is for as as fake as she is or people claim to be she is a
1: genuine person no, I don't think, that, and it's funny you say that because I don't think she's taken so much stick over the yep. over the years. I don't think she's fake at all. I no, think she's no, genuinely genuine, and and maybe a little like uh, Edie Sedgwick, and she's been had sort of. She gets projected onto her all sorts of expectations that she then gets attacked for failing to deliver on. But, well, uh, is it sort herself, of, it's sort of it's
2: Warholian where she is a cipher and people put onto her whatever mm-hmm. they 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 want to take out of her, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. I I do recommend you watching it even though I'm only halfway through. It's uh, The Real Story of Paris Hilton. It's on YouTube, 13 million views so far. And um, yeah, I'd love to know what you think, really. Um, Let's take a break. I'll just say before we go, Drag Race Holland is on Wow Presents Plus right now, worldwide, except for the Netherlands. So sign up for Wow Presents Plus at wowpresentsplus.com. All right. When we come back after the break, the number one thing this week that made us go... Wow!
0: wow.
1: Okay, You're listening to the Wow Report on Radio, Andy.
0: You're listening to World of Wonders,
1: Wow Report.
0: Things that make us go wow.
1: Hey, we're back. It's the Wow Report on Radio, Andy. I'm here with Tom and James. We've been doing our usual thing, counting down the top 10 things that made us go wow. There's one thing left to reveal... I don't know if I can do it. I don't know
2: if I can do it. I don't know if I can go back there.
1: I'm going to say it. Number
3: one. Two weeks ago, we were talking about Shit's Creek because of the Emmys. This week, we're talking about the shit show that was the presidential debate. I got to say, I didn't watch much of it live because I felt like I was having some kind of seizure while watching it. (laughs) Literally, literally. But I did sort of read the Twitter as it went along. And I got the gist of what happened. And to me, and forgive my French, but the president, Donald Trump, Shit in the pool, and Donald Trump always shits in the pool and ruins it for everyone. And I know there's a lot of uh, criticism of Wallace, the the moderator, but th- th- there's the President of the United States shitting in the pool. And you know, whatever you say about Joe Biden's response, which I thought was quite stealth considering uh, the circumstances, he was sitting next to someone who had just, forgive my French, shit in the pool and that well, you Donald know it's Trump, Trump, his 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 goal that day as it is every day in my opinion is to cause chaos and to and to uh, take away and and degrade the democracy that we know and that's well
2: just- you know as napoleon once said chaos is the stepping stone to power and uh, so uh, that's exactly what he does. He shows that. I, I think it's disingenuous for Chris Wallace to say, oh, it got away from me. I can't imagine, blah, blah, blah. When he, you know, what he knew, he, he's been at Fox News, he's interviewed Trump a hundred times, he knows what to expect. Everyone knew what to expect. And the only way to stop it is to cut the microphone yeah. and put them into soundproof boxes like they did on $64,000 question or whatever it was. Kelly Ripa
3: said, Kelly Ripa broke, usually they stay very apolitical in that show, and I understand why, but she broke her silence and just said, she just said, it's not turning off the microphone, they need to be on on video like this, soundproof, basically, and turn off the mic, because if that thing is yabbering in your ear, and I just thought- Good for you, Kelly, for stepping up and saying something. Fenton, what were you going to say? I'm sorry.
1: No, I think shitting in the pool is absolutely perfect. I thought it was that sort of historic moment, actually, when right after Jake Tapper says, you know, that was a uh, dumpster fire in a train wreck inside a whatever it was. But but then his one of his co-hosts, she said, no, it was a shit show. They actually just said on on yeah. CNN, it was a shit show, and it was the most inexcusable and appalling, horrific thing. But I we said, you know, this is the thing, you know, people act like some of the reports act surprised. Oh, we saw Trump as we never, you know, no. man has been a malevolent fucker ever since the day practically he and was born.
2: Fortunately, yeah. what happens is that he, there's no way to decide who won because his base thinks oh you pwned, you owned it you know you you no, get,
3: no you one swam there wasn't a race he shit in the pool he ruined it for but everyone. his fans oh.
2: think that he won if you go on They're to I went over to listen I went over to Fox afterwards and they were like he pulled himself up by the bootstraps and he came fronted his bullies and he, at, and yeah, he was that and they spun it that he came out as a winner and people think yeah. that he won
1: yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was the thing that came through for me most of all was that this was actually. It was like watching domestic abuse. It was like watching a, a spouse beat up the other spouse. And I think Joe Biden was amazing and extraordinarily restrained, given how Trump was baiting him by mocking his his son, who's passed away. Oh I yes, mean, horrible, inexcusable stuff. And with, when he, when he was trying.
2: He was trying to get a rise out of him to get him to start to stutter, and that was what that he was trying to do. And it's inexcusable, it's disgusting. Can leave us
3: on a happy note? Yes. Yes. Seven hundred and fifty dollars. I'm going to print. I'm going to post that every day to the election. Yeah. I know- Because he paid 700, something better about zero, he paid no taxes is less insulting than he paid $750 in taxes. And, And the release of the income tax, the fact that he's a huge, I get the big picture, but I just think $750. Next time you write down your income tax check, it's going to be more than seven hundred fifty dollars if you're a school teacher. Well, I know. I,
2: yeah, I haven't paid my. I have to pay my taxes this month, and I'm going to offer seven hundred fifty dollars and see if they take it. Yeah,
1: That'd be a great idea for a protest. Everybody, the next time everybody files their taxes, they should just pay seven hundred fifty dollars. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and even when the
3: undocumented workers who work at Mar-a-Lago pay more than $750 in taxes. And I just find that- I, Unfortunately, one <laughs> of
2: the other things that happened with the debates is it, it took away from that story. And I think nobody's talking about the $750
1: saying? He, he, he does well, that every single time. There is something extraordinarily satisfying about $750- also compelling within that story is the fact that he is $300 million to $500 million in debt, which obviously makes him, given that no bank will lend him any money, and given the fact that these loans are coming due, a security threat. Because what won't he do for which country to get the money to pay off the debt? I mean, they, they, the only place this person belongs is in a jail cell for the rest of his life. And I think in a way... That would even be too good for him. So. Uh, yeah.
2: But you know, he's gonna walk. It's just it's it's the way of the world.
1: Same time, same place next week. Seven hundred and fifty dollars. <laughs> you to do something that makes the world go wow. wow.